As we're heading into the midterm elections, races all across the country, we're seeing momentum among Democrats. The issue of Roe v. Wade and, of course, the extremism of the MAGA movement, Donald Trump now front and center in the election. And that means those who are the biggest cheerleaders for Donald Trump also front and center. And a race in Colorado that a lot of us would love to see a Democrat prevail is the race in which Lauren Boebert is running for re-election, Colorado's third congressional district. She is among that extremist group, and I don't call them a fringe because they're leaders in the Republican Party. They are bowed to by Kevin McCarthy. They are not reprimanded by the leadership, and they have been allowed to promote ugly, vile, and violent rhetoric and have been the kinds of people that Donald Trump has certainly elevated. Joining me right now is Adam Frisch, who is running for Congress in Colorado's 3rd Congressional District against Lauren Boebert. And he's a local businessman, a former city councilman, and is seeing some energy, uh, certainly in one recent poll, showing the race virtually tied. Uh, Adam Frisch, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Uh, Honored and excited to be on. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit first about the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, and, you know, it's there's been redistricting, right? So there was a lot of discussion about whether or not this was going to be a safe district for Lauren Boebert to be reelected. And I guess that has panned out. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. No, thanks. And uh, happy Friday, everybody. Hope everyone has a safe weekend. Uh, first of all, let's talk about geography. Our district, it's half the size of Colorado. It is larger than the entire state of Pennsylvania. We have 54,000 miles to cover. The district's um, is now about eight points ahead by Republican. We call it R8. It's 46-54 at the start of this conversation when there's a generic Republican and a generic Democrat. But I am not a typical Democrat, and she certainly is not a typical Republican. She's not even a typical politician. Um, and so our district is about 25% Democrat, 31 Republican, and 43% unaffiliated. And that, that's the key to be able to defeating um, someone as an extreme uh, as she is. And so I thought back in October when I looked at the race, I looked at Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, Mo Brooks, um, all these kind of extremists on the right. And you see that they all had 65 to 75 percent wins in their general election in 2020. And Lauren Boebert only had 51 percent of the vote in 2020. She did not win her home county. Those that know her best do not care for her, and a lot more people know her now than before, and not for good reason. And I thought that if a moderate, pragmatic Democrat could get by the Democratic primary, which I did not by much, and we're all united um, going forward, um, I could build a, a coalition. There's just not enough Democrats in our district uh, to defeat her. Um, but I think... Michelangelo, I think about 40%, 40% of the Republican Party kind of wants their party back to get back to these normal conversations. Then you have that 50, 55% that thinks January 6th was a peace march. 
And so I've been laser focused um, the last couple months on making sure that we build this bipartisan coalition. I call it the pro-normal party. And that's what we're focused on right now to win. Right. Getting, um, obviously, Democrats as well as Republicans who yep. do not want this woman representing them and independents who also see the big problems uh, here. Talk yeah. a little bit. We'll, we'll get to her in a minute, but talk a little bit about yourself. You were a uh, city councilman in Aspen uh, and you um, have been involved in politics as well as uh, business in Colorado. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. So I spent, actually I was born on the Indian Reservation, Fort Peck Indian Reservation, northeastern Montana, uh, right where North Dakota, Montana, Canada come together. My father was in the public health service in the late 60s. I'm 55. Um, he actually went on to become uh, an OBGYN for 50 years, um, delivered a tremendous amount of babies and provided the healthcare freedom uh, procedures that so many people are talking about these days. He spent his last couple of years of his career um, working with Planned Parenthood to make sure the next generation of healthcare providers had a chance to um, learn uh, and make sure that that was accessible to all, regardless of income. Uh, I have three younger sisters. Uh, the youngest sister is an OBGYN as well, uh, up in Minneapolis, where I ended up growing up pretty much kindergarten through 18. Uh, I did a little ski racing growing up. That's how I ended up at the University of Colorado at Boulder. I was going to race for the team. I got hurt. I stayed for obvious reasons, if anyone's been to Boulder. Um, had fun, sometimes too much fun. Ended up in New York City on a bit of a whim with a buddy of mine in 1990, and I started waiting tables and then kind of fell into working on one of the very first socially responsible investing funds for a couple of years, which was great. And then I, I spent seven or eight years working in the global currency markets and traveled the world. I went to about 40 or 50 countries for work. Asia, Africa, Middle East, Latin America, and did business in about another 40 or 50. Um, it was great, fun, exciting. Uh, and then, unfortunately, uh, I just went to way too many 9-11 funerals uh, at the end of 2001 and the start of 2002. Moved out to Colorado temporarily and ended up meeting a gal. And I thought that Aspen would be a good place for us to try to kind of raise a family, build a family, and do some business. And so I got into home building and construction out there and the start of 0304, and then I got on city council. I call that elected community service. That was really just, that was a series of men and women standing up and just trying to do the right thing for their community. Worked on a lot of land use code and spent a lot of my time focused on affordable housing, which is obviously a conversation that's happening just beyond these kind of higher end resort communities with tight land use codes. Uh, did that for eight years, and then my wife uh, ended up getting on our city council, on our, um, school board and she's the president of our school board now and I have a 16 year old son and a 15 year old daughter uh, my son is next to me now we've done about 10,000 miles he's taken a leave of absence from his high school to work in that campaign and working on the volunteer stuff and what basically what happened was last oh the last thing I would say is that when COVID started I went and got my three-year substitute teaching license kids need to be in school in the classroom as much as possible especially those those families that are most challenged and there's a mom and or dad that are working, you know, full-time hourly wages and how important it is for those kids to be in school and be fed. Um, Bobart made some comments. Don't ask, don't ask me what they were. They were, you know, racist, homophobic, bad, um, at the end of last fall. Um, and I realized how electorally weak she was compared to all the other extremists 
in the House. Sadly, today, the view is if you're loud, you must be strong. And she's the only one in Congress that's very loud and very electorally weak. And that's how we got to that conversation about building this coalition. And we're going to make this Western Southern Colorado the emotional win for the country. Yeah, and people across the country I know who are listening certainly want to see this change. The tweets alone that this woman has put out using her platform as a member of Congress have been horrendous and ugly, pushing the groomer lie about gay people, claiming Democrats hate people, uh, they want to uh, eliminate conservatives. This is what Marjorie Taylor Greene pushes, um, you know, just absolute lies, vicious uh, attacks, racist attacks. And she has attacked Joe Biden, uh, attacking his age, attacking Kamala Harris. You commissioned this poll in the district, and the firm that conducted the poll has now found just two points difference uh, between you and Lauren Boebert. And the same firm did a poll in July, and there was a seven-point difference. So you've been gaining. You've been making headway in this race. What are some of the things you're talking about with voters? Yeah. No, we're super exciting. Chris Keating's research firm is incredibly uh, respected across the country. While we did pay for it, I made it very clear in July and very clear last time that we really wanted real numbers because I need to be able to look um, friends and family and a lot of donors uh, in the eye and let them know that this is a real deal. And we started down seven points. We were told that if we told our story well, we would be down four. And now we're only down two. Uh, We're within the margin of error. And one of the thoughts I had back in November, and I wish there were more opportunities to defeat some of these extremists, but this is sadly the only place in the entire country that we're going to actually have a chance mathematically to defeat her. And that's what we're really excited to tell. And I make it very clear at the very start that I look at Representative Bobart and her mentor, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the head of the angertainment industry, right? And that goes back to all the tweets that we all know too well. And she's not focused on the people that even voted for her. Uh, it is that resentment conversation that's going on, yelling and screaming and not focused on the district. So the things that resonate, on this bipartisan manner, I tell people, as I've said for 20 years, if there was a get stuff done party, I'd be in the get stuff done party. Uh, but that party's not doing very well right now, and our country's suffering for it, especially Western and Southern Colorado. Uh, I comment that people really want to see the circus to stop, and they want people to focus on what's important to men and women and families and businesses and communities that, that affect them on a daily basis, not chasing up all this woke, anti-woke conversation that stirs up, you know, uh, some part of a big part of the Republican Party. But again, I just need a fraction of the 40 percent of those Republicans that want their party back. We've actually launched uh, a Republicans for Frisch dot com website. Um, everyone, including the, the diehard Democrats, are really excited that we have that going on and we're building this bipartisan coalition that we need. Uh, and this well, is how we're going to end up winning. I hope, uh, and I'm, Liz I'm just Cheney focused on going water to be... and issues that matter to the vast majority of people in Western and Southern Colorado. I hope Liz Cheney is going to be supporting you, too, because she said she was going to support those uh, candidates who are taking on uh, promoters of the big lie. And, of course, Lauren Boebert uh, is one of them. I'm sure you'd take uh, the support of Liz Cheney or any Republican. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I you know, again, and Lauren Boebert only received, she did not even win two-thirds of her voters in her own primary. 36% of the people voted against her in her own primary. Uh, and we need about a third or a fourth of those to build our coalition. Um, and you saw about Liz Cheney got about the same amount. Um, and again, uh, she's, you know, she's, I don't agree with her on a lot of policies, whatever, but there's just, um, there aren't a lot of profiles of courage uh, in Congress these days. And I, I think we all need to give her hats off to her for that, um, as well as some on the other side of the aisles as well, to just to stand up truly country before anything else that needs to happen. And, you know, pro-country, pro-constitution. And that's what we need to focus on. And this is the conversation and, and this is the coalition that we're building. And we're very excited. Um, we've had a, a flurry of support money-wise and media-wise um, over the past couple um over the past couple of days since this poll came up, and we're really excited to have a chance to share our message. Well, I want to tell people right now uh, they can go and check you out and help you out and, um, you know, spread the word at adam4colorado.com, uh, also on Twitter, at adam4colorado, F-O-R, uh, in yeah. both cases. Uh, Adam Frisch, uh, who is running against Lauren Boebert uh, in the 3rd Congressional District in Colorado. We've seen a real shift uh, for Democrats, and I think the January 6th uh, committee hearings had a big part to do with that, Donald Trump being front and center yeah. in the election as well, but also the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, which we even saw many uh, Republican women uh, very, very uh, angered about in Kansas that, uh, you know, referendum uh, that showed just enormous support, even among independents uh, and and uh, Republican women. Talk a little bit about some of the issues and how out of step Boebert is with a lot of people in the district. Yeah, no, perfect. You know, uh, Kansas is CD3 and that's our district. It's very demographically aligned. And I think a lot of us were hoping that Kansas could, you know, kind of win by about two or three points. And they won by 19. I'll repeat that. They won by 19 points. Uh, and again, that was just government overreach of epic proportion. You, you know, there's been buyer's remorse, um, huge buyer's remorse from a, a good chunk of the Republican Party. You saw that after Dobbs came down, uh, all, a lot of these extremists went on and scrubbed their websites of their anti-choice, anti-freedom healthcare decisions. Um, Lauren Bobart remains one of those 10% of the people in the country that does not want to allow exceptions for rape or incest or the life of a mother, well-being of a mother. And um, and so I, I just, you know, she's out of step. She does not know the difference between right or wrong. And obviously since Kansas, we've seen a huge uptick in voter registration. Young people from all genders, as well as uh, females up and down the political spectrum and you know people just want government uh, out of that doctor's office that's a conversation uh, between the patient and the doctor and if there's a spiritual advisor you know that's important too but we should get out of that and as i mentioned prior you know uh, my father grew up with bomb threats um for uh, many years uh in, in minneapolis and you know having an OBGYN father and a younger sister i'm proud of the work that they've done to make sure that everyone has health care access Talk a little bit about the way that Lauren Boebert has been running her campaign. Does she at all seem to perceive that things have 
change, that certainly the issues have changed, that there's momentum for Democrats and clearly momentum for you. And what is she doing? Uh, she's doing, uh, she's scared. Um, you know, until a couple weeks ago, she was proudly presenting her travel schedule to go visit Sarah Palin in Alaska. She was rallying for some young Trumper up in New Hampshire on um, New Hampshire's primary election night when I was in Pueblo talking to the Farm Bureau Association. We had a, a conversation uh, in a steak fry out in Western Colorado, which most of the group was ag and ranching and farming and people in the oil and gas industry. And she blew off that dinner to attend a extremist uh, rally outside our district. Now, in the past four or five days, she actually has been canceling her out-of-state travels. Um, she's actually going on tour. Uh, she's actually submitted, uh, she tried to submit a serious uh, tweet where uh, she wasn't yelling and screaming. And she realizes that it's very, very effective for me to talk about that she's zero for 39 in her legislative career, quote unquote. You know, a, a case in point of how out of touch she is in her own job. She just tweeted a couple of days ago that she just submitted some legislation. Well, uh, I think she knew, but maybe not really, that the Congress hasn't been in session uh, since the end of September. So uh, it's, she had nothing to turn in. And when you actually go on the Congressional Official Record website, there's a list of uh, Lauren Bobart sponsored legislation, and there's a title, but the, the page is literally blank. And as they say, Lauren Bobart has been shooting blanks for our district for some time. I think we all know, Michelangelo, when you have to turn in an essay, uh, you don't just turn in the title uh, and hopefully you get a good grade. You actually have to write what you want to talk about. And this just shows how out of touch she is and how failed she is as a legislator, even for those that voted for her. Again, she has a zero for 39 record uh, in getting anything out of committee, let alone anything signed into law. And to be fair, there's a lot of Republicans that have had a pretty good track record working in a bipartisan manner of, of getting things signed and enacted on behalf of everyone in the country. Yeah, and well, we've seen... It several um, bills. The the um, Respect for Marriage Act uh, is one of them. The bill I was talking about a little while ago, reforming uh, marijuana laws as well, where a handful of Republicans have voted uh, with Democrats. And of course, there were some who uh, voted to impeach Donald Trump. Lauren Boebert is by far not, am not among those at all. In fact, she's always among the handful uh, who even when all of the Republicans vote for something, she's among the handful yeah. that don't. No, she, a, a couple of things. The Luger Center, run out of Georgetown University, does a bipartisan index. Uh, and Lauren Bobart is ranked 433rd out of 435 members of Congress. She is uh, besting her mentor, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's 434. <laughs> um, and, and then there's another Republican, 435. There are a couple of Democrats at the bottom of the barrel, too. But if you look at the top 15 or 20, where I pledge I would love to be able to be when I get in Congress next year, um, there, are bi there are bipartisan members uh, passing bills on behalf of everybody. You know, she was, there was a bill to support increasing cancer research, leukemia especially. And Michael Andrew, the vote was 2 to 433. So guess who besides Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are two, and the other 99% of the Republicans 
uh, joined the Democrats to support this. She was one of seven or 17 uh, people out of total that backed uh, Vladimir Putin in three pro-Ukraine anti-Russia votes. Uh, she mm-hmm. was one of 17 or 18 members of the Republican Party um, out of 200-something, not to support Finland and Sweden going into NATO. Yeah. Aston uh, vote against everyone every once in a while, but she takes pride uh, in just voting against common-sense legislation, no matter who proposes it. Well, I, I certainly uh, commend you for jumping into this race. I know people across the country uh, certainly are excited uh, at the prospect of seeing Lauren Boebert um, voted out by the people of the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, I want to tell them again to go to adamforcolorado.com, adamforcolorado.com, and also on Twitter at adamforcolorado. Adam Frisch, thank you so much for for joining me today. Well, thank you very much. You stay healthy and have a great week and and love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Adam Frisch, congressional candidate for Colorado's third congressional district, taking on Lauren Boebert uh, this fall in the midterms, just almost four weeks, a little over four weeks away. We're back in a few minutes. This is the Michelangelo Senior Ellie Show on Sirius XM.